are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Furies. The Boppers. The Hi-Hats. The Lizzies. The Turnbull ACs. The Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're heavy. Hey, everybody. It's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And this week, we're back for another exciting season and another exciting edition of... I hate this title. The Non-Canonical Adventures of JD and Randy. This is our first episode of the new season. And today, we decided to cover... 1979's The Warriors. Directed by Walter Hill, who you might remember from such films as Streets of Fire. And, and The Driver. And The Driver. Which we have, co- which we have covered before. Uh, today we decided to cover a movie we probably should have covered before because it's pretty instrumental to this area of movies we talk about. And it's very um, iconic. And one of the few cult films that are actually deservedly of their cult status. <laughs> it's a good one, yes. So, Randy, what should we talk about first? Should we talk about what the movie is about? or the story Go right ahead, J.D. Tell the good folks what the movie of The Warriors, directed by Walter Hill, written by David Shaber and Walter Hill, is about. Based on the book by Saul Yorick, yes. This mo- this movie- and produced by Lawrence Gordon? <laughs> this movie is about a gang called The Warriors who go to a meeting of bigger gangs and are accused of killing the leader of all the gangs called Cyrus. And because of that, they are chased all the way back to their home of Coney Island where they have to survive the entire night trying to get away from them. 30 miles, or for you metric people out there like us, 48 kilometers (laughs) from the Bronx to Coney Island. Yes, that's pretty much the whole movie. It's the journey to get back home, trying to escape uh, the other gangs, the cops, and everything in between, including the madness of the city. Which is, you know, 1970s era New York, which everybody knows what that was like. Yeah, let's let's mm. put it this way. When the tagline for the movie was, these are the armies of the night. They are 100,000 strong. They, I can't read what it says here. One second. You can all zoom in. Yeah, I could zoom in, except that's a really <laughs> bad. Uh... Yeah. These are the armies of the night. They are 100,000 strong. They outnumber the cops, five to one. They could run New York City tonight. They're all out to get the warriors. Yep. This tagline got people protesting the movie <laughs> because of how true it was at the time with actual gangs in New York yeah, and the, gang violence in New York. The era of Fear City, yes. It was. It's It's a pretty good look at that, sto- that sort of... Like the cinematography in this movie, for instance, is very evocative of that era. It shows it off very well and it's very eerie at the same time. It's actually... I also call I called it like almost John Carpenter esque in a lot of ways because of how it's presented, but that's just Walter Hill being Walter Hill. So, yeah, like I said though, the movie is pretty straightforward. It's just a story of one gang among many trying to get home after being accused of doing something they didn't do, and we follow them all the way back as some of them don't make it basically. Yeah, especially one of the actors who got in an argument with the director didn't make it, and he took his name off the film, even though he was one of the more interesting characters. Yeah. That is, for the, for the record, Thomas G. Waits, who plays Fox. Yeah. It was, uh, well, I guess we could get into that a little bit. But for now, might as well just go into general impressions of the film, since, you know, it's 
pretty well known the movie. Also, I didn't realize this, maybe because he was wearing makeup, but Steve James mm-hmm. is in this film. Oh, and he plays one of the baseball furies. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a lot of people in the movie from that era, but it, they're hard to notice because of everybody, you know, is wearing an outfit, they're wearing makeup, all this, that, and the other. It's difficult to tell. Yeah, this is the universe where there's not color gangs. It's like, oh, this is the yellow gang. It's like, we all wear, like, yellow uh, scarves. No, no, this is like, hey, we're the baseball furies. We're all wearing baseball uniforms that have our face painted. Oh, yeah. oh hey, we're the rogues. We all dress like leather daddies. Oh, hey, we're the roller skaters. We all wear roller skates. Yeah. Hey, we're the Lizzies. We're all lesbians. Well, actually, Lizzie Borden. Sorry, Lizzie Borden, yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah, that this is actually very influential on a lot of stuff that came later because... This is where most of that sort of thing started, where everybody said, I'm going to do a gang, and they're going to be styled like this. That's where this came from. that came from. So it's like, suffice to say, this and Streets of Fire had a humongous influence on video games of the 80s. Yeah. Including, In Japan, yeah. Including a lot of anime, too. Because it's, it's pretty clear. Mostly because it kind of fit in at the time with the whole uh, Yankee, um, the full uniform, macho thing of the time. Oh, that was pretty big. Like, even non-stuff like that, like uh, Fist of the North Star was pretty big, too. Or City Hunter. Yeah, it was, it was a big trend at the time. But yeah, the the movie, though, I think is influential for a very good reason, because it is, uh, it's very good. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty great, actually. Um, it's, it's a very simple film it's, on its surface. It's a, It can be a little bit slow, even at 90 minutes, but yeah, it's a very well-done film. It almost... I mean, if I was uh, less used to this, considering we've been doing this for a while now, I would almost think it's an 80s film, at least an early 80s film, just because of how it comes off in a lot of ways. Um, it doesn't have, like, the 70s-style pacing, which I don't think Walter Hill's films really do have. Would you believe, J.D., that this movie is on the New York Times' 1,000 best movies of all time? I could see that. It is. Would you believe that it's Entertainment Weekly's 16th greatest cult film of all time out of 50. Only 16? Out of 50. <laughs> like I said. Yeah, this is like the movie. If you know Walter Hill from anything, it's probably for this movie. And it's for a very good reason. It pretty much encompasses everything uh, he has done and will do in the future. He, he has the Western elements in this. He has the noir elements in this. He has the rock and roll influence in this. He has the tough guy influences. He has everything is in this movie. That he does later uh even did before this it's it's all here and it's all actually done really well and it's very original too at the same time so randy what are your general impressions of the warriors not the gang the movie they walk towards the screen a lot <laughs> my controversial take on this movie is that out of all the walter hill movies that i think this is my favorite of his I'm not sure how controversial that is, though, because I'm pretty sure it's his most popular movie. And uh, for the record, we actually watched the original theatrical cut because JD has one of the out-of-print uh, DVDs yeah. that he didn't realize. Like, oh, I thought this was the director's cut. I don't know. I didn't know which one was which because of how this movie's production history is weird, and a lot of people talk. Wait, talk, people talk about it is all over the place. I didn't know which one was which. It's like JD actually thought I've never seen this movie before. I'm like, no, I've, I've seen this movie before. And it's been the theatrical cut every single time I've seen it. Because that's the one that's been available on streaming services. Yeah, I, I guess it's the other version we didn't have. It doesn't really matter that way that much anyway, considering what we do here. Might as well watch the original version anyway. Though I wouldn't mind revisiting the, uh, the Walter Hill's ultimate vision of it with Orson Welles talking about Grecian armies. Well, I'll be watching. 
probably be watching it again anyway, considering it's a great movie to watch again anyway. So, yeah. Um, so I guess we'll go into uh, highlights right away. Might as well. What did you think was the best part of the Warriors, Randy? They walk towards the screen a lot. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> uh, it's there's many iconic moments in it. Some and some of it are kind of like a little bit like ooh that didn't age well. But uh, I, I like there's iconic elements that you cannot say it was not influential. That doesn't will never not stand out. That will never not be memorable. Mm-hmm. The iconic ending scene with uh, mm-hmm. what's his name going. Warriors come out and play. <laughs> like that, that is just, it's like that is ingrained in your memory. What's the other big line that uh, always pops out of this movie that uh, we, we both said, yeah, we know that line. Can you dig it? Can you dig one. it? Yeah. And the, and the whole iconic imagery of what's her name from uh, Carmen Sandiago, uh, just her lips talking into the microphone. It's like, just... hello, <laughs> beat boppers in the. Yeah. I'm going to stick this. This is bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Thank you. That I can remember what it was. It's like I know that. Like, I hear that. I'm like, yeah, that's a memorable line. That's that's up there with. It's like it's time to uh, take names and chew bubble gum, but I'm all out of gum. It's like those. That's one of those iconic lines that pop up a lot. Yeah, for me, the 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 highlight of the movie is, as I said, is how well the atmosphere is established through the soundtrack and yeah. through the cinematography. Oh, you mean the very little soundtrack? A lot of the soundtrack is diegetic, except for a couple of scenes here and there. It's very, like I said, it is a lot like something John Carpenter would do, but it doesn't feel John Carpenter at the same time. It feels very Walter Hill, because as I said, he knows noir and he knows western, and he does it very well here. That's what it feels like a lot of the time. It feels like there's either a confrontation about to happen. Or something's about to uh, come from behind, you know. And considering it was the city, they're always walking towards the screen, which is an invaluable thing. I, and I don't mean it's like even when they're running, it's more. It's not like we're running all out. It's like no, we're just doing a quick trot. Yeah, there's a, a psychological aspect to running in film. When you're running towards the screen, you're running towards the audience, and you're getting more invested and in, intense. It, it gives more intensity to this film. When you're running away, it's supposed to do the complete opposite. It's supposed to deflate relax and they manage to well, walter hill manages to every single time because there's a lot of running in the movie he never has them running away except near the end of the movie when they're leaving the movie yeah which is very invaluable and it's a lot of we're walking the scene is moving with us it's very much modern like the west wing type of thing like we're following this gang forward they're having mm-hmm. their conversation as things goes on around them yep. as they're slowly walking away from their troubles as they're trying to get to their next location they have to travel 30 miles in one night yeah and like there's there's like shots where like they you know, like one of the ones i like is when they run into the subway station and it just pans up to show them running in and then them running out onto the platform yep. and stuff like that like they he fa- always finds a dynamic way to show them getting from one place to another it's like I said, it's a, there's a lot going on in this movie, even though the story itself is like most Walter Hill stuff. It's very straightforward and it's very simple. Very simple. And he knows how to get it simple. across. <laughs> he knows how to be very evocative about it. Um, and when we when it comes to negatives, I'm just yeah, I'm just gonna skip on it. There's no point because it is the movie is what it is. Yeah, it's 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 1979. There are elements of this movie that definitely did not age well but then again it's also all seems to be uh centered on one character who gets his comeuppance and 
This well, is this is the guy that has poor uh, control over guy, himself, and that guy is is mentioned several times, even at the beginning with, with <laughs> foreshadowing. Is that the guy has poor impulse control? He's a risk. He's a liability, and that's exactly what he turns out. And this to. is the guy that's constantly dropping the f slur. He tries to <laughs> rape multiple women, um, yeah, and, and, and then he eventually gets his comeuppance when he tries to rape a cop, and he gets entrapped. Yeah, yeah. arrested when everybody tells him point blank. Um, this is a trap. Yeah, you, it's like, it's, get, seriously, there's, there's, it's, it's... Don't be an idiot. You know what this is. And he didn't listen. And this is Randy getting on a soapbox here, and it's like, there are things that will not age, depending, like, between then and now, like, stuff we would kind of go, ooh, about. Oh, Does it make it a bad movie? It's, it's, you look at it from the context of the time and go, okay, yeah, it's, it's and it very much fits in with the characters of the movie. 1979 New York. What are you expecting to get Gangs, out? Gangs, yeah, it exactly. Is. It is what it is, and it's just kind of like... It's not as much as like oh it's it's like not just like random teen comedy and then oh we're dropping the f slur like, but the other reason I'm not gonna go and give it, an, it uh, it's not Kevin Spacey being in a movie with a bunch of teenage boys uh, that's that's the sort of thing you just can't really get around it's just awkward it's but, just like no this is a, it's very much an artifact of its time and it doesn't take away from the movie itself now which is why I'm gonna just roll it over into my rating of the movie which is a five out of five because uh, every time I watch the movie I love it. And I like every part of it. I said, even even like it is, 1979 New York, and it nails everything perfectly. And it it's engaging. I like the characters. I like the action. I like the story. I like the music. I like the... There's nothing about yeah. the movie I don't it's like. like it's, I'll agree with you. I'm not like a five. It's like I said, it's like you, you watch movies for... And you take them in for what they were of their time. You don't, you don't, you don't mm -hmm. have to see everything through their own lens. And Walter Hill is all generally an all-around good guy. Uh, he does. A, he does. He does. He like of all his movies, though. This is probably this the, is the, the most, most iconic movie. And even though Street of Fire has the better poster. Oh, it does. But like this is this is there's a reason like you said is like the top sixteen cult movie. This this list that list the other one. There, there's a reason why this movie will get references in other popular culture. Yeah, as why it influenced so much. It's why it still gets talked about today. It's because there's really nothing like it. It's why there's multiple gags about it in The Simpsons. It's why there's multiple <laughs> gags about it in Futurama. Like it, it, that's why there's multiple gags about it in Family Guy. It's it like it's it's like yeah. Robot Chicken. It's like you. It's like it's a very movie that's like people of a certain age will reference because mm. it's very very not just a good movie, but it's a very iconic, very well looking movie. Yeah. Like I said, it's it manages to be all that, and it's very original at the same time. There was nothing like it at the time, and it was the first of its kind. Because like I said, when I watched it, uh, when I was a kid, I would say probably I thought, oh, this must have come out like the same time as, um, I don't know, like Commando, for instance, with Schwarzenegger. But it's like, no, actually it didn't. It was like a 70s movie. But for some reason, it feels like at, at most early 80s, because... It doesn't really feel like it's locked to a specific date, I guess, like 1974. Like you watch Death Note, that's a death yes, note. yes, people. Death, death Wish. It's JD, 1974. JD wasn't a very fun kid. He was having these conversations at like 12 years old with his parents, like yeah. this movie is very much. Uh, yeah, that's exactly 1970s what it was. and not the 80s. It's more that I didn't <laughs> see a uh, a difference. They felt like they were the same genre, at the same time. Like you, we watch the stuff now, you're like. Okay, this was clearly this time. This was clearly made at this time. That's because you know you have you know the benefit of hindsight and watching a lot of stuff. But back then, it doesn't really stick out in that in that sense. And that's I think that's a that's a good point for the movie and why I think it's held up as well as it has. And I would recommend anybody if you haven't watched this for whatever reason, and I can't imagine what reason it would be, 
uh, watch it, especially if you like action. Just know that more than likely, um, if you're renting it through streaming service, you're going to get the theatrical cut. Or if you're going through to buy it, you're more than likely getting the ultimate director's cut, which has an opening by Orson Welles talking about basically the story that the novel was based on from Grecian times. (laughs) And then you get a bunch of the scenes that Walter Hill wanted for... um, yeah. transitionary purposes to make it look more comic booky, mm. and so, then i don't know if it includes the tv cuts because the tv version adds 12 minutes of thing but compresses 12 minutes of that runtime to like sped up parts I, of it I, and uh, it's really a weird movie for stuff they use i don't know but like i said um if you can i would recommend first at least watching the original just to see what it was like when it came out but other than that if you want to go wild on it and see something else well, why not i mean why not like i said it's a great movie and definitely worth seeing uh, do you have any like trivia or anything you want to talk about, or you want to wrap it up? Um, we we had made a, a reference earlier on to uh, Mister mm-hmm. Mister Waits, yeah, uh, Thomas G. Waits as Fox. Uh, apparently, him and Walter Hill had a big argument on the set uh, about his character. Mm-hmm. He didn't agree with some of the direction, and they had changed some of the story around so that he became less of the lead, and Swan became more. Mm-hmm. To the point where one of the characters got switched around from him being the love interest to her, to the other guy being the love interest of uh, one of the characters. Yeah. And it resulted in him demanding to have his name taken off the thing, and they killed off his character. Yeah, that's kind of bizarre. I can't really say, like, it's kind of uh, noticeable considering the way he's killed uh, is kind of... Yeah, it's very clearly a stuntman being killed on the on the tracks. It's very clearly, like... Mm. he was there and then suddenly oh he's being killed and oh also the girl that was in that scene is also not there so it looks like they cut out a bunch of stuff and then she suddenly appears later on in the film with yeah no i stole this jacket off of somebody that's why i disappeared for a while yeah and like she doesn't mention that the guy died so obviously like i said it was added in later so like, there's like stuff like that but then again like the movie is so manic with people like disappearing and dying and all that considering the way the movie is it kind of works with it so it doesn't feel that uh jarring but yeah, like I said, it's uh, isn't a whole lot like this one. That's one of the reasons I would. Or there is a whole lot like this one. It's just that An this was the first. Yeah, this is the first of that. By yeah. It, but yeah. So I guess uh, that's about it, right? Okay. So is this Steve James' best movie? Because <laughs> he was a baseball theory in it. <laughs> I still have other ones to see of his, but uh, he's definitely uh, he's definitely good in it. If you noticed him, he's there because it's hard to tell. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I saw it here. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, I guess we might as well just end it off now. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Oh, well, here's a little thing, though, before we go. Walter Hill saw Thomas G. Waits as the next James Dean. And then, like I said, it, everything blew up. And then it's like, okay, you know what? You're on my movie now. Fine. We're done. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, then. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. We'll continue our cruise to the Canon Catalog. Goodbye. Goodbye. And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety, stand 20,000 cops. (laughs) And 100,000 sworn enemies. I want them all. I want all the Warriors. They've got one way out. 
got one chance. They've got one night. The Warriors.